This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 8.06. We got an Oilers game tomorrow. We got an Oilers game on Sunday at Calgary tomorrow. Back home to play uh, Buffalo. Sunday. That'll be a 5 o'clock start, 3.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Chet. All right. Uh, hey, U of A hockey. Love talking about that. Head coach Serge Lajoie on the line right now. Hey, Serge, how's it going? Good. How are you doing, Reed? Good, good, good. How was practice tonight? Oh, I was good. Short. Uh, not much teaching. The guys are ready to go. So uh, oh, it was all in all a typical Thursday. Lots of the flow practice. So the, these they, they, they count in the standings starting tomorrow then? Yeah, that's uh, Saskatchewan always, already has a couple of games under their belt. Uh, they played UBC last week and got an early start. So for the remaining six teams in Canada West, uh, this is their opening weekend. So, um, yeah, so definitely uh, the two points up for grab here tomorrow. All right, so the Saskatchewan Huskies, uh, who beat you guys last year in the Canada West final, are, are these two teams looking like they're uh, going to be the teams to beat again in the league? Well, I... You know, looking at uh, the returning players on Saskatchewan's roster and uh, the recruiting class that they had, uh, you know, they definitely uh, it merits the you know the early uh, favorite in the uh, coaches Canada West coaches poll. So uh, I think they're uh, they're the, the front runners right now. Um, we still have a lot to prove. Um, there's a lot of teams. Uh, the remaining teams in the Canada West, any team can win at uh, any given night. For us, uh, I think the operative word is, is patient. Uh, we've got a young team, but we have a team that uh, in the last six weeks is, is starting to develop an identity. Uh, they, they're a hardworking team. Uh, I think in the last, our last five games, we've had to come from behind to, to secure some wins. So uh, they're showing some character and some tenacity. So I'm excited to see, see us play t- uh, t- uh, tomorrow night against uh, Saskatchewan because, uh, in my estimation, they're the best, league, uh, best team in our league. You guys uh, added, I think it was seven or eight new guys. You'll have to correct me there. But how many do you expect to uh, play here on opening weekend? Yeah, so we have 12 new players this year. Oh, you have 12 year. new players. My goodness, okay. Yeah. And uh, so we're looking at, um, you know, tomorrow we've got uh, two freshman goaltenders uh, in the lineup. We have, uh, you know, two freshman uh, defensemen. And I believe we have uh, six um, uh, first year forward, so you know we're, we're sitting at uh, that's a large number. That's but it's uh, you know a great opportunity for these first year players to come in, and they've been given an opportunity in exhibition. They've taken the uh, taken that opportunity and run with it. Uh, they've done really well, and there's some guys that we're going to be counting on that just 
there's some huge holes that needed to be filled from last year's departures, and, and these guys have just uh, answered the bell and have done really well. Is, is Luke Siemens not playing goal? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, Luke won't be available to, uh, to us this weekend. But uh, he's, you know, he's in the mix. All three of our goaltenders have played very well. We've kind of gone through a rotation and exhibition, and you know, it's, with that approach, it's, uh, you know, this kind of situation that arises early in the season uh, bodes well for us because Kenny Cameron and uh, Brennan Burke have uh, have also played very well. So, unfortunately, you know, Kenny's not available to us, but uh, we're hoping to have him back in the fold here real soon. All right, and, and Cameron was the one who was undefeated with Nate last year. Yes, uh, so he's. You know, he comes in with uh, you know, a proven track record. He's actually a third year. He's got a couple seasons of uh, post-secondary, you know, collegiate hockey under his belt. So a little bit more uh, experience, but uh, uh, he continues to make strides and uh, really impressed with Brendan Burke, who's, uh, you know, as a first year, it's, it's an adjustment school, hockey, uh, taking care of yourself, living on your own, and uh, he's adapting real well. U of A hockey coach Serge Lajoie joining us on Inside Sports uh, Games against the U of S Huskies coming up this weekend to get their Canada West season going. Tell me a little bit about your trip to play at the uh, University of Nebraska Omaha. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great trip. Uh, very quick. We only played the one game on Saturday, so the team flew up on uh, Friday. Uh, we had a pre-game skate early morning Saturday, played Saturday night. Uh, we had uh, an opportunity to just do a little bit of team building on Sunday because we didn't leave till, till a little later, but uh, really good competition. Uh, they're a team that is not easy to play against. Uh, they, you know, it's all, almost just open up the barn door and let the thoroughbreds out. Uh, they, they can skate. So um, it was a good test for us to play against uh, a team that pressures the puck very well. Um, you know, it was their first game, but you can tell that they're only going to get better. And, uh, um, you know, they're, they're just out of the uh, top 20 poll there in the NCAA rankings. But it was, it was a good trip for us and uh, a very good game in preparation for our opening weekend tomorrow. And I believe you guys fell behind but came back to win 3-2? Yeah, we put Kenny Cameron, who uh, started the game uh, in a tough spot. His first two shots were breakaways. Oh, so we were down uh, after two shots, two breakaways, two nothing, and that's where that resilience piece came in. Our guys kind of fought back, uh, and it wasn't that we weren't playing well, but uh, turnovers at blue lines cost you against a team like that, and that's exactly what happened. So uh, we've shown that, and in that game, we sh- we showed that when we play the game the right way and put pucks in good areas, we're also a, a tough team to play against. We've got some good team speed, so it was. Uh, a little bit run and gun there, parts of the second period. Uh, so, as coaches, we don't like to see that. But Kenny got tested. Their goalies got tested. We had some nice plays. They had some nice plays. So, all in all, it was entertaining for the 5,500-plus fans that were attending the game in Omaha. All right. And, uh, Serge, I mean, I know you're you're a veteran coach here, but uh, just going into your second year as the head man with the U of A Golden Bears, do you feel you're doing anything any differently this year, or how are you approaching it? Well, really trying to uh, to approach it with a, a patient demeanor, if you want. Uh, we are a young team um, with so many first-year players entering the program. It was very important for us to establish a good foundation and to work on our environment. So we're talking a lot about culture and how to do things on and off the ice and the habits and the details within our game uh, that are going to be important for us moving forward. So we spent uh, a lot of time early on just establishing a good foundation and uh, just so that 
you know, the guys have a good understanding of what needs to be done and that, you know, get them prepared as best as we can now and just let them play on weekends. So we're, like I said, very excited to see how we perform here this weekend against Saskatchewan. All right, so what do we got? Uh, seven tomorrow and six on Saturday. You guys sticking with those uh, start times at Claire Drake? That's correct, Reed. Okay, well, it's going to be fun. Bears.ualberta.ca if people want to check out more. And, of course, they can uh, walk up and get their tickets, too. Serge, looking forward to it. I know we'll have you and your guys on throughout the season. So all the best tomorrow against those uh, those Huskies. You know I'm not fond of that team, so go get them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Reed. I appreciate the support. All right, that is Serge Lajoie checking in, coach of the U of A Golden Bears uh, hockey team. And uh, i got to say, when uh, those two teams play, generally two of the more spirited hockey games you'll have the opportunity to witness in person over the course of a calendar year. And uh, the Huskies making their trip to the U of A campus uh, early on this season. Thanks for uh, Serge for coming on. Thanks to Matt Gooch from the U of A Sports Information Department also for lining that up. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, we got to take a quick timeout. It is 8.14. We'll give you a full scoreboard update. And we're counting down to Engineer Jim after the 8.30 news to talk about his experiences with Guns N' Roses. Scoreboard update. All right, here's what's going on. The Canadians beat the Sabres 4-1. More uh, injury woes for the Sabres. Evander Kane uh, goes down. Obviously, Jack Eichel already out. They could be a really hurting team when they come to Edmonton on Sunday. The Bruins double up the Blue Jackets 6-3. Rangers beat the Islanders 5-3. Late in the third, last minute in fact, Devils and Panthers are tied 1-1. The Lightning lead the Red Wings 4-3 with three and a half minutes left. Early in the third period, the Hurricanes trying to get a win in Winnipeg. They're up 4-2. Also early in the third, the Blues are up 3-1 on the Wild. Nail Yakupov has scored for St. Louis in that game. Penguins now leading the Capitals 2-1. The third period just started after 40 minutes. The Stars are up 2-1 on the Ducks. Lori Korpakoski with a goal for Dallas. Anaheim is behind, even though they are out-shooting Dallas 21-10. Baseball playoffs, still one nothing for the Nationals, leading the Dodgers after five. That is uh, game five of that National League division series. The winner will have to play the uh, mighty Chicago Cubs, who uh, might finally win this year. And halfway through the third quarter in Thursday night football, the San Diego Chargers are up 13-3 on the Denver Broncos. The Blue Jays play tomorrow. Against the Cleveland Indians, here's catcher Russell Martin. As bad as, you know, everybody's going to try and downplay it, you know, everybody's cool or whatever, everybody wants to win, you know, so so there's that kind of, you know, stress that, that that's inside of every competitor that's going to be playing. Um, and I feel like that's really the only stress that, that you know, that's going to be there. And Toronto shortstop Troy Tulowitzki saying the Blue Jays ready to hammer that ball at the plate. I try to look at it if I was in the other dugout playing our team um, because I do that with teams that we're playing against. It's like, okay, well, man, this guy, he, he could go deep here. Well, this guy at the most, he's going to get a single. And you don't want to face those guys that are up at the plate that can they can go deep. Um, it definitely makes it makes you a little bit more, more nervous out there. All right, and uh, just an update on that St. Louis game. Uh, Magnus Payarvi with the goal for the Blues with an assist to Nail Yakupov who is now averaging a point a game in the young NHL season. He has two points tonight. Did, did not, uh, uh, I know from talking to a couple people who saw the game in Chicago, apparently Yak didn't have a great game last night, but he has a couple of points tonight. So good for him. Uh, Oilers won 7-4. They will play again tomorrow in Calgary, of course. And uh, the power play 
will have to be better. Not only, well, they, they did get the one goal, but uh, not a great night, and they allowed a couple shorties. Here's Coach McClellan. Well, the gifts we gave them. Um, uh, obviously, when you talk about uh, a power play and you give up two shorthanded goals, you're really disappointed. And, um, you know, the, the pass, uh, Leon's pass through the neutral zones at present. Uh, we probably won't, or I'd like to think that we won't, uh, have that happen again for a long, long time. So that's a gift. And then we just got sloppy and lazy around our net. And, uh, you know, from the goaltender to the forwards and D, everybody has to take care of that. And we have to have a sense of urgency or sense danger when we don't have the puck and be prepared to uh, to recover. Um, after that, looking at some of the things that we did up ice and, and in the zone, we had some looks, we had some chances. Um, you know, had we finished on a couple of them, I think of Benoit Pouliot's chance where he shot it into the stands, uh, all of a sudden you're two or maybe three for six and we're talking about how good it was. So uh, the shorthanded goals though, are the ones that hurt and we have to clean that up. All right, and uh, obviously a turnover by Leon Dreisaitl on one of them and then uh, Milan Lucic unable to clear that one puck and it gets poked under Cam Talbot. The Oilers still able to win 7-4. In terms of the lineup, Brandon Davidson unfortunately on injured reserve with an upper body but not a head injury. He got uh, taken down by Matthew Kachuk. I know a lot of you are unhappy uh, about that. Kachuk obviously a uh, can be a pretty big irritant out there and can, looks like he can cross the line from time to time. So Eric Griba now on the Oilers roster. So he's one of three options to jump into the decor along with Matthew Benning and Mark Fain. You heard Bob Stoffer earlier on the show saying that he anticipates Fain to be playing. And uh, the forward unit should stay the same. I would expect the lines to start the game at least. To go like this, McDavid between Lucic and Eberle, Nugent Hopkins, the center for Pouliot and Cassian. And then you'll have uh, Dreisaitl with Maroon and Pugliarvi. Of course, you notice he is now wearing number 98, keeping with the trend of uh, guys wearing their birth year as their number. And uh, then you'll have Slepeshev dropped out of the fourth line to play with Latestu and Pitlick. Uh, you know, early on, I would expect Talbot to start in goal once again. In terms of Cassian getting an opportunity to play more, McClellan commenting on that. I like his spirit. Um, you know, last year when he came in, I think there's still doubt maybe in his mind uh, about where he fit in and, and how he could play or help contribute. Uh, this year he seems to be a lot clearer uh, with his role and uh, seems to have a real positive spirit around the guys, likes playing the game again. And um, I think he's skating well, uh, better than he skated last year. Now, in fairness to him, he's had a summer's worth of, of training and uh, his fitness level is a lot higher than it was last year when he came. Well, Cassian, obviously, I mean, the last 12 months have been uh, interesting. He has the, uh, you know, the car crash in Montreal. He gets uh, injured in that. He goes into the rehab program. Uh, he gets traded to the Oilers. So, yeah, he's he's been through a lot. And he talked about when he came last year, if he can keep his off-ice life together, then he should be fine on the ice. And I think Cassian has been able to do that so far. I mean, I, I think, you know, ideally he's on the third or fourth line, but I think he has enough... Uh, ability to be okay with the puck that he can play higher if needed. Um, the Oilers' right wing position, sure, maybe not a maybe not a strength of the team. Now I don't think that Neil Yakupov was the solution there, despite how he's doing tonight. Um, so uh, you know we'll see for Cassian, we'll see for Slepeshev, Packerin and Hendricks will come back eventually. They're out 
you know, probably well into November with uh, with injuries suffered in the preseason. So I got to say, so far, Pitlick has grabbed it. I, I did not see Pitlick being on the opening day roster, and I did not see him playing as consistently and as well as he has for sort of his role on the team. So I'm I'm pleased with that for Pitlick. I think we got to point that out uh, as a positive as well. Okay, you can always text six thirty six thirty. It is eight twenty five. Uh, I want to mention FC Edmonton. We had owner Tom Fath in studio last Friday. Great to talk to him. FC Edmonton have uh, clinched a playoff spot, but they lost on the road last night one nil at Fort Lauderdale. They will play Saturday at uh, Minnesota as they're now uh, in tune-up mode for the playoffs. Uh, all right, so this is good. I just is this a serious text? My radio just is on the fritz. How are the Jays doing? They play tomorrow, so they're doing just fine tonight. They are undefeated tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only game tonight's Washington and LA in Game Five of the National League side. And Washington's up one nothing in the bottom of the sixth. I think I gave that score, but it remains the same. Here's what we're gonna do. We have the news coming up. And then this is going to be great. If you listened to Inside Sports at all, you know I'm a fan of the 80s rock and roll. And one of the premium bands from that era, Guns N' Roses, well, Jim Mitchell worked with the band as an engineer, as a producer in their prime, and he is making time for us next. So that is, uh, that is going to be fun. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. The email is insidesports at 630ched.com. You know him on Twitter and from the Jay and Dan podcast as Engineer Jim. It is Jim Mitchell checking in tonight. Jim, thanks for making time for me. How are you doing? Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm doing great. How are you doing, Reed? I'm doing very well. I'm happy to talk to you. I got to meet you a couple years ago when I was uh, visiting Jay, so it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Let me start, jump in with this one, Jim. When you when you hear Don't Cry, what comes to your mind? Uh, uh, well, I, I have very fond memories of recording that song. Um, uh, a couple of things. Uh, one was uh, the, getting the guitar tones with Slash was was uh, a lot of fun because uh, we were 
like that song uh, estranged the solo on November Rain. We were really trying to really go for that sort of soaring, epic type sound where the sound kind of swirls inside itself. And so there were a few things that that uh, we did with with his uh, lead tone to to kind of achieve that stuff. And and uh, I have I have very fond memories of that. And the other thing with Don't Cry was at the very end, the last note that Axel sings where he hangs on, you know, I I I I, I. <laughs> we we were trying to. Uh, he, there was there was another song he said was the longest note ever held in a rock song, and he was trying to beat that to go for like the world's record for the longest held note. <laughs> and uh, I I can't remember. I think it was like around thirty two seconds or thirty three seconds or something like that. So we get to the end of the song. And he'd take a deep breath, and we'd punch that last note, and we did it. I don't, I don't even know, maybe twenty, twenty times. And uh, you know, he'd run out of breath, and be like, "Oh, let's do it again. We can get it. I know we can get it." So it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, and that's, I mean, it's interesting the the, the work that went into that, and I mean, I, I call that use your illusion, but as anybody who was around at the time knows, it, it was a double. Uh, cassette or cd (laughs) at the time yeah Uh, uh, i mean appetite for destruction was so big and then it was like what are they going to do next what are they going to do next what do you remember about that becoming you you know a a double album and recording all those songs instead of just coming out with with a single with one with one album well you know it's interesting uh when they did appetite uh they they did have a bunch of songs uh, November Rain being one of them that they had already had written um, that they decided to leave off of Appetite. Uh, they wound up re-recording it for Use Your Illusions, but it was one of the songs that they considered to put on Appetite. And I think they just felt it, it didn't really fit that record. Um, but there was there were a number of songs and... Uh, when uh, it came time to uh, to record Illusions, uh, it had been a little bit. Um, we had put out GNR Lies in the meantime to kind of get something out, and that was something that Mike had gone into the studio really quick with them. Uh, really, around the time of Appetite, when they were making Appetite, to to uh, get a few acoustic songs, maybe they thought, oh, you know, we'll put patience on appetite or or whatever. They kind of had a few of these um, songs floating around. In any event, uh, they had just come back from Europe, and the record was blown up. And uh, I can remember them coming into the studio, and I, I that was. Uh, I had worked with them right at the very end of Appetite on Appetite for Destruction um, before they mixed the record with Thompson Barriero. Uh, I, I 
made safeties and slave reels and all and safeties of the slave reels and all that stuff with Mike uh in Los Angeles, uh Mike Clink, the producer, before that stuff they mixed the record in New York with uh Steve Thompson and Mike Barbiero and uh before we shipped the tapes, we wanted to make sure we had safety copies. So I came in and kind of made safeties. And while we were making all the safeties, Mike would go, okay, here, you got one pass, mix this song, you know, and it would be uh, Rocket Queen, you know, and then right. it'd be, okay, you got one song here, mix one pass, mix Jungle. <laughs> and I would kind of throw it up on the faders and uh, he was like, yeah, that's that's pretty good. And, and Mike and I had sort of, he was one of the first guys I met when I moved to Los Angeles. So we kind of had a, a, a pretty good little relationship going uh, as it was. And so when uh, the Appetite got released, uh, you know, the band went out on tour. It took a while for the record to break. It actually broke in Europe first and uh, by the time they got back to the States they were like the biggest band in the world and you know the guys went from you know sleeping on people's couches and you know crashing at you know their stripper girlfriend's house or whatever to you know okay now you got all this money you gotta go buy a house you gotta go do something uh, you know, uh, sort of all of a sudden they had to become grown-ups and responsible for themselves, and it was a big transition. And in the middle of all that, before they started to go back out on tour, we did uh, GNR Lives. We we wound up finishing overdubs, and, and we mixed it, and we did it in like a week. And I remember, like, I, I did Used to Love Her... Um, you're crazy in one in a million. We did it in like two nights. And, oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. Uh, Jim Mitchell joining uh, us. Oh, sorry. Sorry to go on. I'm, I no. I'm going all over the place. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I, it, Jim Mitchell joining us on Inside Sports, talking about his time working with uh, with Guns N' Roses as an engineer. Uh, so, I mean, look, the, the, the phrase isn't just rock and roll, Jim. It's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. These were young guys, <laughs> and, and like you said, their careers exploded, and all of a sudden they kind of could have um, whatever they wanted. Did, did, did that affect how they were able to work? I mean, were they were they reliable to work with, or did you not know who was coming into the studio on what day? What what were they like to yeah, deal with? There, there was a little of that going on. There was no question about that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, sort of at that time. Uh, when we were doing the GNR Live stuff, mixing it, uh, like I said, they had just come back from Europe and, and they were in LA and, uh, they were playing like four shows at LA Coliseum with the Stones. And it was a big deal because Axel was going to break up the band and he announced it on stage because, you know, there was talk of guys in the band doing too many drugs and all this stuff. Well, well, literally, some of the guys didn't even really have a place to crash. Like, Duff and Steven pretty much stayed at the studio where we were mixing the whole time. I don't even know if they literally had a place to go to. So uh, it, it was 
kind of an interesting time. And then uh, once they came back, finishing up that tour, uh, you know, it was kind of like, uh, you know, everything changed for them. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the things was when we started Use Your Illusions, you know, the guys would say, like some of the crew guys would say, okay, what's the schedule? What are we going to do? And Axel would go, schedule, there is no schedule, you know, and kind of go crazy on everybody, like, there, there's, there is no schedule, we'll do what we want, when we want, you wow. know, and it, it, it got kind of crazy with people showing up whenever they kind of felt like it, and like, like, for example, when we were mixing those songs I mentioned on, uh, on, um, the, uh, G and our lives every night I'd talk to Slash on the phone and he'd be like yeah yeah I'm gonna come down I wanna hear what you guys are doing and uh, I'll be down in a couple hours and he'd never show up and the next day he'd call hey so what's going on yeah I'll be right down I'm on my way and we'd never see him you know the whole time we mix that record I don't think Slash ever came by you know Jeez. but uh, you know uh for usual illusions, and I believe for appetite, uh, I I couldn't say I wasn't there for the mixes, but for illusions, uh, you know, he approved every single mix, and he approved all the stuff from G and R Lies. We just had to send the stuff to him, but uh, he he slash generally all the guys were very involved in the studio. They they would come down and and. They were all had their opinions. They all had something to say about it, and they all had great creative input. So um, everybody was involved, but uh, the sex, drugs, rock and roll thing definitely flipped everything up on its side. There was no question about it. You know, uh, like uh, when we were doing uh, Civil War and Heaven's Door. We did that stuff for uh, the Days of Sun, the Days of Thunder soundtrack, and uh, at that time uh, there was a pretty heavy drug element in the band, and Stephen was kind of having a tough time with stuff. Um, you know, by the time we finished those songs and started to get serious about making Usual Illusions. Uh, we kind of had a hard time uh, getting the drum tracks and getting basic tracks done because, you know, we, we didn't know what was, you know, what what version of Steven was going to show up. Oh, man, that that must have been tough. So, so I mean, they're huge, and I remember when the Illusions came out, they're so long-awaited and everybody can't wait to hear them. Um, I mean, you sort of reference this, but why couldn't have this band stayed together? I mean, I'm a big Def Leppard fan. I mean, they've just stayed together. I mean, Van Halen keeps changing singers, but the other two or three guys, you know, have, have stayed. No, have stayed no, uh, you know, it's crazy. I, I, I think it's something that, uh, you know, it, it's it's really a big family. And, um, like, for example, uh, sort of... Axel's guy that's with him that kind of goes with him everywhere and is handles his microphones and his in-ears and 
all the stuff whenever he's on stage, uh, make sure his room and his wardrobe is together and all that stuff for him, like just so Axel has nothing to worry about. Uh, his guy, Tom Mayhew, well, his brother is Mike Mayhew, and he's been Duff's bass tech. Both of these guys have been with guns uh, really practically before they even got a record deal. So, and they're still with them today. They're out touring with them right now. And uh, Slash's guitar tech, Adam Day, the same thing. He was, he's been with him from day one. And uh, he's, in my opinion, as integral as a part of his sound as, as Slash is. I mean, it's coming from Slash's hands, and he has the feel and the technique. But Adam makes the tools available and makes them perfected for him to use. And the combination of the two guys, really, it's, it's phenomenal what they're able to achieve. And uh, it's great to be around them. And and so they have this family attitude, and they really, really are loyal to the people inside their circle. And you know how families can be. Sometimes they, Sometimes people get along. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they talk, and sometimes they don't talk to each other for a couple of years. It gets crazy. And, uh, you know, it's funny that the tour is called the uh, Not In This Lifetime Tour, but, uh, you know, I kind of figured at some point everybody would figure it out. It just kind of went on a little bit too long. Right. And, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, in the middle of all that, I can remember uh, Izzy was working on some songs, and uh, there's a rehearsal studio not far from my house. And, uh, you know, I had built a studio at Slash's, and I was working with Slash on his second Snake Pit record. And he was trying to put a band together for that. And he had had Slash's Blues Ball, and he did the first Snake Pit record. And he asked me to be a part of that record as well. But I was working with the Black Crows at the time, and. I was really committed to them and kind of couldn't leave. You know, I, I, I mean, it's one of those things. You you uh, commit to something and, you know, your word is, you know, your bond. And I wasn't going to just leave the crows in the lurch to drop what I was doing with them to go work with Slash. So I, I wasn't able to, uh, I, I worked with them when they were writing the songs for that first Snake Pit album, which Slash, in his mind, he thought they were going to go on the next Guns record. And uh, they couldn't seem to work it out with Axel as far as the direction they wanted to go and what songs they wanted to do. So that's when Slash decided, well, I'll just put these on a solo record and I'll put that out. And I, I, I wasn't able to continue working on that record, but... He did that record, and then when he decided to do another one, um, I built a studio for him at one house where he did that first record where he did the demos, and 
he had moved subsequently after the Northridge earthquake, and I built another studio for him. And when we had this other studio, uh, I, I say it's as nice as any studio in in Los Angeles or the world, for that matter. That was at his house. The place was phenomenal. And we did the next record there. And uh, while we were there doing it, Izzy had uh, some songs that he was working on. And he was kind of like, hey, Duff, Slash, why don't you guys come down and check out these songs? And I remember we went back to Rumbo where they did Appetite and where they worked on a bunch of stuff. And we had gone back and forth from the rehearsal studio to Rumbo. And Izzy was like, man, you know, Axel just lives up the hill from me. I should just bring a tape up to his house and play it for him. I bet you he'll love it, you know? And we're, I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, this could be it, you know? And this was, I don't know, 1997 or 1990, right around 2000, I guess, maybe 98, 99. And I was like, oh, this could be it. Here we go. We'll get back and we'll start making a record and and Izzy was like nah uh, I'm not gonna do it and the next thing you know another 10 years go by so yeah that's amazing yeah, Jim. Uh, you know what? We're I, we're out of time, but maybe we can do this again because there, there's more. I, I'd love to ask you. And I, I love that uh, era of music, and obviously, you worked with one of the defining bands from uh, uh, from the late '80s and the early '90s. Uh, in uh, in in 20 seconds or less, how do you like working with Jay and Dan? Uh, they're the best. I say this every week. It's my favorite part of the week. I love those guys, and I, I know how much they love you, Reed. And uh, it's it's my favorite part of the job at Fox. I love those guys to death. I do anything for them. They're the best guys in the world. Salt of the earth. Great to hear, Jim. Thank you so much. Please keep in touch, and I'll see you next time I'm in California. Definitely. Sorry, I was so long-winded, Reed. I, I just tend to ramble on. It was perfect. That's Engineer Jim on Inside Sports. Great to have Engineer Jim on the show. We could have kept going. We'll have to have him on again. Dead Ratman tweeting me. He says, hey, Reed, love the interview. Didn't mention the Hall trade once. Neil Yakupov, the first star for the St. Louis Blues. They beat Minnesota 3-2. Jets over the Hurricanes 5-4 in overtime. Lightning beat the Red Wings 6-4. Panthers beat the Devils 2-1 in overtime. Canadians knock off the Sabres 4-1. Bruins beat the Blue Jackets 6-3. Rangers over the Islanders 5-3. The Stars lead the Ducks 4-2 in the third. In overtime, the Caps and Penguins are 2-2. Dodgers now ahead of the Nationals 2-1 on the top of the seventh. San Diego taking it to the Broncos. It's 21-3 Chargers in the fourth. Tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show. Oilers and Flames, the game will start at 7. The studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. This was a fun one. Have a good night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.